0: This is episode 509 with mental skills coach Jay Kavanagh. Welcome to Athlete Maestro, a podcast tailored for athlete development, improvement, and peak performance. And now, here's your host... One of the things that I've always thought about, one of the things that, uh, you know, always bubbles up in my mind, uh, you know, when I, when I think about um, sports and how it's played and in relation to athletes and in relation to coaches is if there was a particular time. You know that I could eavesdrop on a conversation that probably two coaches were having. So maybe uh, we pick Bill Belichick, you know, and um, one of those other great coaches that are in the NFL. You know, and I could just I could just hear them talk raw in the sense that you know they don't know that anybody is listening in on what they're talking about. And you know, when you see speakers speak on a stage, um, it it always gets to the point where you know that they know that the audience is there. So the way that they're going to talk is different. As opposed to when you meet them backstage and they don't know you're there, so probably they're speaking to another speaker or they're speaking to someone else, and and literally you're just eavesdropping on that conversation. You see, this conversation between myself and Jay uh, was something in that realm. It's like we were just having a conversation between two friends, you know. And you guys, as the athletes, are allowed to eavesdrop on what we talk about and everything that we go through. And see. What makes this episode special for me and what makes it really, really nice uh, is the fact that, you know, Jay comes across as someone being very genuine. You know, when he reached out to me and of course, I found out that uh, the name of um, what he was doing, his organization was Rack Racing. You know, I thought maybe that was like a terminology for, um, you know, the racing world and things like that. So at the point I even found out about this, it was after we had had our conversation. And I found out that the rack in the rack racing... Actually meant random acts of kindness. Man, that thing literally just blew me away. You see a lot of people in the world today, you know, and it's it's what they're looking to gain, you know, from situations that they are after. It's how they can benefit from situations that they're after, you know. So even when they reach out to you, you know, for some opportunities or to come on your podcast or to have a discussion, you know, there's always an ulterior motive behind it. But you see, with Jay, he comes across just as he is you know pure genuine and i absolutely love that conversation you know there are other conversations that you would listen to that you would know that oh all the things they're talking about and uh, you know you can see the raw passion and all of that in those conversations but you see when you talk about something being genuine when you talk about something you know coming from the heart. That's exactly what this conversation with Jay was like. You know, both of us were relaxed, you know, and it was like something that has never even happened on the podcast before is when questions are being thrown at me, you know, and I'm like, hey, I'm the host. I'm, I'm here to interview you. But Jay was asking me questions as well, trying to get my thoughts, you know, on many things. And of course, I told him at the end of the podcast as well that, hey, you know, I'm looking to continue this relationship, you know, so that we can take these things forward. It was it was a special episode, guys. And we talked about so many things. Uh, we talked about your ability as an athlete to figure things out. We talked about why you should be a student of your sports, the emotions that you go through as an athlete. And one other profound thing that Jay shared with me was his personal philosophy. Be curious, be kind, and be creative. And you're going to learn how you can come up with your philosophy as an athlete as well what's the power of words to athletes in terms of what's going on in your mind the kind of conversations that you're having with yourself i'm i'm just going to stop there because i can go on and on and on about all the things uh, that we talked about you know for the length of time that we talked about it and you know it's just something that i know without a shadow of a doubt that you are thoroughly thoroughly going to enjoy my friend jake i asked him whether it was related to conor mcgregor's coach you know what uh, he said he wasn't you know so uh, that was a little bit of a fun moment for me but this episode guys is brought to you by my free ebook on the five biggest mistakes that athletes make so if you're a young athlete and you've been thinking you know that i'm working on this i'm working on that i'm doing this i'm doing that you know what are some of the mistakes that i should avoid that's exactly what i put in that free ebook five biggest mistakes that athletes make at least start with stuff like that then you see conversations between myself and jay like this are going to make more sense so head over to athletemaestro.com forward slash mistakes athletemaestro.com forward slash mistakes to get your hand on that absolutely free ebook on the five biggest mistakes that athletes make when you get that when you get that come and listen this genuine conversation between two friends, myself and Jay cover Welcome everyone back to the Athlete My Show podcast, guys. And I have an interesting one for you today. I have Jay Kavanagh on the podcast. He's the founder of Rack Racing and he's also a mental skills coach uh, to motocross
1: athletes and athletes in general. Thank you for joining me today, Jay. Thanks so much for having me. I love it. We're bridging the bridging the gap of Africa to the US. I kind of love it. Uh,
0: we, we had started this conversation earlier, and for some reason, something just went wrong, and uh, we kind of had to start this again.
1: Yeah, but the beauty is, as we talked about, <laughs> you look at adversity or any challenge as either a threat or a challenge, and on this one, we chose challenge, so we got this.
0: Oh, uh, it's fantastic. Um, I'm I'm just putting myself in the mind of someone listening to us right now, you know, when we mention motocross or sports that have to do with speed, there's this perception, you know, that there really isn't, um, what would you call it now, a tactical angle to sports like that. You know, it's who can hit the pedal the fastest. I'm sure you have something different to say about that.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's almost like when you watch any sport, truthfully, mm. um, and I do agree with you that people oftentimes think, well, it's a motorcycle. Like you said, you just <laughs> twist the throttle and go. But um, in our sport, you know, like many sports say, I know with uh football or as we call it, soccer, oftentimes people say it's the most conditioned athletes out there. Mm. Some people say rugby. Some people say WWE uh, or the, uh, WWE, the WWE fighters WF like or the something. something <laughs> Um, but yeah, with us, our guys are highly, highly trained. Um, you would be surprised at what it's like when you're hitting all these jumps and bumps and also the fear factor, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. injuries are a big, big, big part of our sport. Um, you know, broken bones are almost a guarantee in our sport. Mm. Um, injury factors into our sport much, much more than you would anticipate. So, you know, a lot of us have to mitigate fear and to realize that that's an emotion that we have to embrace and manage else um, it can be an issue. And even coming back from injury is difficult because a lot of people have a version of PTSD. Some of these injuries are are very aggressive.
0: Mm. Uh, Talk to me about what led you down this part because also you raced as well. So, I mean, you were uh, in the thick of the action, but what led you to uh, going down the mental side in helping these athletes now battle, you know, whatever demons it is that they have as relates to
1: sports? Sure. So I love that question. Um, a lot of times, you know, I think a lot of us in sports always wanted to be the athlete that we love and support. You know, mm-hmm. the one whose shirt we wear proudly on, on a game weekend. And we've all wanted to be that guy. And um, a lot of times, you know, we all have our different story of what held us back. And uh, with me, I had an injury that paralyzed my left foot. So my left oh, foot wow. is what you use to shift a motorcycle up. So mm-hmm. for years, I, I harbored anger and resentment. I thought there could be no God, because if there was a God, <laughs> why would they take away my number one joy, right? Mm. You know, well, how could that be? And then uh, as I got older, I said, well, I don't really enjoy the conversation and the narrative that I'm having. Mm-hmm. And I think i'm lying to myself because i do believe there's a god because there's way too much proof you know mm-hmm. no matter what religion you are you, you we all have some form of belief whether it's energy or mm-hmm. if you're a buddhist how you know a muslim Like we all have that and and there's there's definitely power in that belief and so um i eventually said to myself um let's see if i can figure out how to ride again and so i got back into riding started racing and realized that my foot does not go up, but my foot goes to the inner part of my body. So in other words, in order to shift a motorcycle on the left side, there's a foot peg or a a shifter. In order to shift it, I can't move my foot up. But what I can do is put my knee out a little bit and I can move my foot in. That's Mm -hmm. the only motion I have. And if in, becomes up when you kick your knee out, I can shift a motorcycle. Mm. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so, you know, I figured it out. You know, a lot of times people in sports, you know, a lot of athletes that are listening, it's like you say, oh, well, I don't know about this and I can't do this. Okay. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure it out. And that's what I did. And I've actually became an expert in supermoto and uh, lost one expert Uh, championship by two points so I almost won a championship by figuring it out Mm. and looking at my my you know I don't use the word disability but I looked at what was holding me back as an opportunity to just try harder and look at a different way to solve the same problem you know and so you know for athletes listening right now you might say well I want to be basketball but I'm too short Mm. well Bugsy Bowes is a perfect example of I think he was like five foot four right about something like that yeah yeah. And here he is. And he, guess what he did? He figured it out. He used his skills and figured out skills that would take what he does have and amplify it and then minify what he doesn't have.
0: Mm, I completely love that story in terms, especially from the injury perspective, because one of the things I've always been vocal about uh, from my angle is I, I tore my ACL in my right knee, you know, while, while I was trying to, you know, go into sports, it was even while I was in school and while I was just preparing uh, to take sports seriously and then with the plan, of course, of going professional. So I I get that perspective of figuring things out and, of course, uh, seeing things for what they are, which is the adversity uh, that they have. But there's something that you mentioned there, you know, which was key, and uh, that was the mental shift that you made. Why do you think that it's always difficult Uh, for athletes to make that mental shift. So basically what they're focusing on is a problem that is right in front of them and they're not thinking about solutions. So this thing has happened. I can't change it, but maybe I can think of a way to get past it. Why do you think that is so difficult?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, a lot of it is I don't use the word problems and solutions. Mm. I use, instead of problems, um, I use it as a possibility. Uh, or actually a a solution is a possibility Hmm. and a problem is an opportunity, right? So a lot of times we think that when we're not good at something, that that's a horrible thing. But the beauty is, is now you know exactly what to work on to improve. Hmm. How many times an athlete is doing everything in their mind that they feel they can do, but they're not getting the results they want, right? Hmm. That athlete is going to struggle. Why? Because he doesn't know where to focus his energy. If I don't know what my issue is and I feel like I've tried everything, my fitness is good, good. my mental seems good, my diet is good, my skills are good, What, what do I fix? Now that person's going to have a much more difficult time than the one person that's saying, "You know what? I'm struggling with X, Y or Z." And then now what you, you can do is identify that as an opportunity and then think about the possibilities of, of how you can fix it. And so it's all, a lot of it to be answer your question is your perspective that you put on things. Mm-hmm. What lens do you choose to hold in your hand and look through when you do have something that is holding you back? And that's really the key is you choose the lens that you put in your hand to look and view what's going on with you. And one, you got to start by looking at anything like that as an opportunity to learn, mm-hmm. become the learner. Always say, what can I learn from a skill standpoint, physical, mental? Uh, to how, can I, how can I be a better teammate, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're playing uh, a sport that's a team sport, it's not all about me. How can I empower you to be your best? Because if I can feed you that energy, that energy will come back to me. Mm,
0: there, are a few, there are a couple of things you mentioned you know, just now, and I, I want to take you up on, on, on some of them. Uh, one is the student aspect of your sport, because one of the things that I keep saying to a lot of young athletes, you know, me messages on Instagram, they send me emails and things like that. One of the questions I ask is, how much of a student are you about your sport? You know, we, a lot of athletes have this belief that because they've played this sport since they were five, before, because they played their sport since they were six, you know, there, there really isn't nothing to learn learn. There isn't really nothing to sit down, you know, just like you mentioned, you know, being a student from the mental perspective, being a student from the physical perspective. What does being a student entail? Why is it that not enough young athletes are focusing on that aspect?
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. A lot of people, you know, and that's where the word humble comes in. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times the person who is hungriest, you know, if you're on the top of the mountain, for example, mm-hmm. and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who he's famous for saying this, is that if you're the, the top on the top of the mountain, you're like, you're the lion or you're the, the master on the top of the mountain, you're number one. The thing is, is that there's a lot of people that are sitting all around looking up at you and saying, I want your spot. I am hungry. I want your spot. And then when you become complacent, mm-hmm. and that is one word, if you want to have a word to not like, choose complacency because complacency is if you were to get to that skill set where you feel like you know everything and you become complacent, there is no growth. There is no growth in complacency. You can only grow when you learn and implement and change and you know take action on the, the items that you've learned. And sometimes you even try things that maybe don't work, But then for every maybe two or three things that don't work, what if one does? And it's Uh that one that does that is going to propel you. So I think the key is to always be a learner and to come up with a personal philosophy. And what I mean by that is, I don't know if you have, Antola, I'd love to ask you this question Uh is, do you have a personal philosophy? Because mine is be curious, which Uh implies the learner, right? Always be looking to be curious about myself and others. Be kind. That is self-explanatory. Be okay. kind uh, is, is big for me. I actually have a nonprofit revolving around kindness. Yeah, well, and then nice. my third piece of it is to uh, be creative. And be creative mm-hmm. means I create my day. I create my emotions. I create what I want in my life. And I guide my thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. They are in my control. And so um, that's where I'm at. And so th- I hope that answered your question. And, you know, I'd li- love to hear, do you have a personal philosophy yourself? Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's one of those key things. And of course, I'm going to ask you, you know, later on how young athletes can develop this philosophy. But one of my philosophies in life is, you know, number one, th- there's always a solution for everything. Because one of the things that I've realized over the length of time that I've been doing this, and also because I'm a sports lawyer as well, you know, is that you, you see a lot of these athletes who they kind of take things the way that it comes, you know, and they're not open to expanding the reach of their mind. And, you know, it's good that you're a mental skills coach and we're uh, talking about this, but that's one of the philosophies that I have in terms of, you can always find another way to do things. You can always expand these things. They're always always, other avenues to look at it and the other thing that I look at is that not everything is a big deal so I don't know how I can shorten that but that's a Mm -hmm. philosophy that I have in terms of you know I I don't take anything too seriously in in the sense that it bogs me down or maybe I'm getting upset I'm getting angry all you have to do is just take it easy try and figure out if you can find a solution for it or if there's something else uh, that you can look at are those are those good philosophies
1: Oh, absolutely, and you know, several things that you said really kind of sparked some excitement for me, and and one of them is, you know, this whole idea of to, to kind of take some of your words and put some perspective on them is, mm. you know, a lot of times people um don't they they don't they don't work on their ability to let things go, right? Mm. Mm. And we call it uh, I like to call it hitting the reset button. Mm. So, um, if all of a sudden I have, let's say, I'm a defender, um, and I have someone takes the ball from me three times. The same guy takes the ball from me three times, which is very uncharacteristic. Uh, Every time he tries to get the ball, three times in a row, he got it. Now, if I've got two options. The average person, the untrained mind, the untrained athlete's mind is Mm -hmm. going to react. And the reaction is going to be, an ego-based reaction. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, I can't believe this guy took the ball from me three times. That shouldn't happen. That should not happen. That is not cool. Like, what's going on? I feel like my game's falling apart. Then all of a sudden you start to snowball and this thought creates an emotion of either shame, guilt, embarrassment. And when you have emotions that are created by your response or reaction to an event Mm -hmm. and you label it as good or bad, which, you know, events just are, if you label them as good or bad, you intensify the likelihood that you're going to feel a negative emotion if you label them as bad. So if you, for example, someone does that three times to you and say, oh, this is horrible. Mm. Okay. Well, you've had an event that just is, but you Mm. put the label of it being bad, doing so put you into an emotional state that is going to further bring you down mm. instead, you want to train your brain to hit the reset button and you want to get that time that refractory period that the amount of time it takes from the the time an event happened to the time you recovered to the, either a neutral emotional state or a mm-hmm. positive emotional state and you always want to be working on reducing that amount of time so for example, even if in real life you can practice this right tola let 's mm. say that you and I went out for dinner and uh, You said something that, uh, which would never happen, but like, let's say you said something that agitated me, like Mm -hmm. maybe we covered a topic that was controversial and you agitated me. Mm -hmm. The thing is, is if I keep thinking about what you said and I have the same reaction, I will keep replaying and replaying and replaying and I will not get anywhere. I will be Mm -hmm. brought down. We need to all, myself included, work on saying, you know what, I, I respect Tola. He is a good man. And I respect his opinion, even though I feel what he said, uh, I completely disagree with, but I don't want to feel the emotions associated with it because they're not helping our relationship. They're not helping the energy in our conversation. So I'm going to let it go. Boom, done. It's Mm -hmm. that fast. That is what athletes need to work on is a lot of athletes don't need to perform better. Mm -hmm. They need Th- that's a big piece of it. I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is minify your losses and focus on that. Everyone's only focusing on making more gains. No, no, no. Minify your losses. Minify your refractory period. Minify the amount of time it takes for you to get back to the proper emotional state.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, so if I, if I
0: hear you correctly, and I'm going to give you an analogy, which is very popular in the sporting world. Uh, basically, what you're trying to say is that uh, as it relates to the emotional standpoint from which athletes are playing their sport, whatever happens during execution of that sport, you know, you don't take it to heart in terms that uh, your objective, which you're trying to get, which you're trying to attain remains what should be paramount to your mind. And Mike Tyson, you know, said something that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And one thing that I've always said as relates to that <laughs> is that if it was really a plan that they had embodied, so which means that a plan that was in their mind, so it's not just like you're reading things off a piece of paper. Even though you get punched in the face, it doesn't detract from the strategy and the plan that you came into that fight with. Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I love the way you said it. And just so you know, that quote by Mike Tyson is one of my favorites. So you put a big (laughs) smile on my face when you said it. I actually was in Las Vegas, uh, which is uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, where Mm. all the uh, big casinos are. And one time I was eating sushi with a good friend of mine, Steve. And all of a sudden, Steve goes, look to your right. And I look, and it was Tyson. He He kind of gave me a look, a little heads up, gave me a (laughs) smile and walked by. And I was like, oh my God, that was awesome. <laughs> but um absolutely you're right. And you know, it's it's interesting because um a lot of things, you know, we have to watch out for our egos, right? Because mm-hmm. when you talk about taking something personal, what we're really saying is is your ego being involved. And your ego, you almost think of yourselves as having two selves. There's that that pure love and energy that we all have. And then there's almost like a second part of us, which is our self, our ego, which is a result of our past experiences. Mm. And that is where you have to watch out because some athletes are under the impression that their ego has got them as far as they have. And I'm not mm. going to say there's aspects of it that may not have fueled some success, but in a time like this, your ego can actually hold you back. And so, you know, you can't take things personal and you also you know, if something goes wrong and you fail at something, you have to distinguish between I failed versus I am a failure. Mm. You are not a fail your, you failed. And that is a very subtle yet important distinction all athletes need to make when things don't go their way.
0: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I want to continue taking you down this line. But I said I was going to pull you back and ask you, you know, from that philosophy angle, how, how do athletes um, create their own philosophy? Because I'm sure this would also have a close relationship with positive self-talk and the kind of things that athletes are saying to themselves. Because if you have a philosophy, if you don't embody the philosophy, if you don't remind yourself about the philosophy, uh, then of course it's not a philosophy because the minute you step on the pitch, on the track, or on the race course to do whatever it is that you do, you immediately forget that that thing ever existed. How do athletes create philosophies for themselves and what's the relationship between that and how they talk to
1: themselves? Sure. I love that question. Um, so philosophy is interesting because the beauty of it is you can choose it right it's Uh. it's one that you design and it's very it can be malleable to be honest with you when I first got into the concept of creating my own personal philosophy I believe the first day I worked on mine I think I started in the afternoon and by evening I believe I changed it eight to 10 times. So, um, and you know, even the one I have now is working for me now, but that might change. It could change tonight. It could change in a week, a year, 10 years. So it is one that's also malleable, but what the beauty of it is, is this, and this is why it's powerful is you start to create a guiding set of principles by which all your thoughts, emotions, and actions are filtered through. Right? Mm. So, if, if my philosophy, like as we said, my, my philosophy in the middle of it, of the three pieces, mine is be kind, right? So for example, let's say that someone uh, needs some help. I see an older woman with groceries putting them into her car. If my personal philosophy is to be kind, Mm. I am much more likely to help that woman and assist her because it is a set of rules and principles that I created. Not that my parents make me fall under, not that my government makes me Mm -hmm. fall under, not the police. It is mine. It is all mine. No one can take it from me. It's me. I created it. And so I'm more likely to behave, think and act in a way that's congruent or in alignment with that philosophy, and I will most likely help that woman. Mm. And if I'm going to be curious, I am going to wake up in the morning and I am going to read. I am going to study. I'm going to interact with you, Tola, Mm. and learn from you because my first part of the philosophy is be curious and then be creative. You know What does that mean? Well, I'm going to create my day. Mm. Each and every day, I create my day. I don't leave it to chance. I create it. And so... A lot of what I achieve each and every day in my life is from my personal philosophy, which becomes part of my identity and my values and what's important to me.
0: Mm, that's great and uh, what, what's the relationship with that in terms of um, how athletes are speaking to themselves so uh, talking about the power of words because one of the things that I always tell athletes and of course uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong is that if you're looking for where the problem is in, in terms of your performance one of the questions that you must ask is what are the things I'm saying to myself in those particular moments? So the moments where you struggle, the moments where uh, things don't go according to plan, the moments where it seems like, you know, everything seems to be going wrong. What are the particular words that you're saying to yourself in those moments? That's why I kind of related it to uh, the philosophy aspect a little bit, but talk to me about the power of words, you know, and the kind of things that athletes are saying to themselves at specific times during their sporting
1: journeys. Absolutely, and you know, words are powerful to the point where, you know, I always say that we've been lied to. And when our parents told us here in the States, a big saying is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's probably the biggest lie we were told as kids. It's like, hey, parents, if you're listening, we know you didn't lie to us on purpose, but you did because (laughs) words do have power. And so, you know, uh, an example would be, um, you know, a lot of times there's kids, there's people I work with that had had their parents say something to them when they were six, seven, eight years of age, and now this athlete is in their 20s, and they don't even realize, but one phrase that their dad said to them that was in a heightened emotional state for themselves was ingrained in their brain, like, you're never going to be good enough. All right, well, if you say that to a kid at a very critical time in their development, you could that could be ingrained into their brain, almost like it's branded into them. And Mm -hmm. then if they feel that those words were true, which they're not, but if they feel they were true, they will always live their life as if they are not good enough. And that is a big one with athletes is that having those words which become an internalized self-belief, right? Mm -hmm. But for an athlete, The power in words is strong. You know, we always hear, you know, you got this. You know, I have one racer who literally will on the line. So what you do is we have a line of 40 riders all next to each other with each one has their own separate gate and the gates all drop at the same time. He'll scream at the top of his lungs. I've heard him with the motorcycles roaring. You will say, I got this. I got this. I got this. And what happens is even as I just said it myself, I literally can feel the hairs on my Arms and my mm. chest and my head raising up as I said that just now. So, is that not the emotional state you want to be in as an athlete? And so, absolutely, it is. Now, if you were to be sitting there having a narrative or self talk mm-hmm. that was negative, where you're, you know, comparing yourself to others or saying, ah, I'm not sure if uh, today's my day, you've already set yourself up for a most likely failure because Mm. you've already taught yourself out of something. And here's one thing that you're going to love, because I think this will stick with you Tola Mm. is a lot of times the craziest thing in life is we oftentimes will say things to ourselves that we would never say even to our worst enemy, Mm. you know? And so that's always the tragedy is that we will say things that are so negative, so self-defeating, so, such a self-sabotage, but literally I couldn't even get you to say those to me without you having to look down in shame and guilt. You couldn't even do it. Mm. And so why do we do that to ourselves, right? And uh, I mean, what's your narrative typically, Tola? Like, what, what are the conversations that you have in your mind that have gotten you to this successful area? I mean, to be a sports lawyer is no joke. And so, <laughs> you know, like what, I mean, you had, I'm sure you didn't always say, oh yeah, being a lawyer is easy, I, I got this. I mean, what did you say and what do you do when you're challenged with thoughts that enter your mind that aren't ones that you want there?
0: Yeah, and, and you know, that's one of the things that, I advise on in in terms of creating strategies to deal with this. Uh, You see, one of the things that, or one of the myths that a lot of athletes have is that, you know, I can prevent certain thoughts from coming into my mind. You know, so uh, if only I focus as much, if only I try to drown out all the other sound that is coming in, then I can prevent certain thoughts from coming in. And one of the things I always say is that you cannot do that. Thoughts are thoughts, you know, it's not like something you can hold. So the way you would hold your basketball or the way you would hold the bicycle. But when those thoughts come in, the question is how long do they dwell in your mind and what kind of damage do they do? So one of the things that I do is that, yes, the thoughts can come. But how long are they staying? They're not staying up to, what, 5, 10 seconds. I acknowledge that the thought is there. Then immediately I dispel or I respond to whatever the thought is. You know, so uh, you're dealing with a difficult case or maybe it was even when I was playing. The thought comes into my mind. uh, Yes, I acknowledge that uh, there's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on. Then I respond with a script or with whatever it is that is going on at that point. So I kind of reiterate the kind of work that I've put in to get to this point. So how well i prepared for the case, how well i prepared for the game. Those are just some of the things that I do. But the question I wanted to ask you was in terms of, you know, the athlete that, you know, screams at himself when he's at the gate. What did you say to athletes who are shy, who, you know, they're like, "I I can't do that. You know, everyone is going to be looking at me. Just like I said, there are 40 athletes, you know, that are right there trying to get in. What would you say to an athlete like that in terms of the strategies they can embody Or do they have to do similar things to what the other athletes are doing?
1: Well, the athlete that's shy is obviously not going to feel comfortable screaming those out. But that athlete should, without a doubt, if they're looking to be successful and be the best at their game, they should have no issues at all having that same conversation with themselves. I mean, because that voice, you know, is just as loud If it comes internally, it's more the outcome and the power, you know, even right now, I'm going to try it out with myself. I'm saying I got this. I got it. Even if I do it like in my own head right now and don't verbalize it, I still have a very similar physical and emotional response. I will be honest with you. It's not as intense because I'm, you know, with with our when we vocalize, now our our auditory senses are ignited, right? So the more senses you can ignite, a lot of times the more likely it's going to add some a little extra juice to it. So even if you were to just have that conversation with yourself and get yourself amped up, as you will, uh, then you can have that same effect. You know, the the thing is, is that. Like you said, you can't control the thoughts that go into your mind, but mm-hmm. you can certainly control the conversations you have with yourself um, and or at least redirect them. Like if all of a sudden you start talking yourself out of something, there should be a level of awareness. You should mm-hmm. always be aware mm-hmm. of how awareness. you think. Aware. Awareness is key. To, to be honest with you, I didn't mention this. On day number one of my, all my coaching clients, mm-hmm. day number one always starts with awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness of your thoughts, awareness of your feelings, your emotions, and how they were triggered and how they react and relate to each other and how you either react, respond or, you know, to them. And that's a very powerful place to go. And, and that takes effort. I mean, do you feel like your awareness is at a level where you're happy? Like, are you aware throughout the day of your thoughts, actions and, and feelings? Mm. Oh, You mean me? yeah oh you? yes i am definitely definitely <laughs> every, every, i mean every time
0: because one of the things that one of the things that is important, most especially as it relates to sports and performance, is that the margin for error you have, you know, is so small. So if I'm going through my normal day, you know, and I'm just doing things the way I'm doing them, you know, certain thoughts are coming to my mind. uh, The effect of those thoughts might not be felt until minutes later or hours later or days later. So in terms of the kind of relationship I'm having with my wife or with my children... That is how that works. But when it comes to sports, if it's football, it's 90 minutes. If it's basketball, it's four quarters. I don't know how how long a motocross Motocross race is, but it's not that long. You are feeling the effect of those things immediately. So if you're not able to deal with them, if you're not prepared to deal with them, before you know it, the game is done
1: and you've lost. Oh, 100%. And you know what I love is you use the word prepared Mm. and A lot of times if in our sport, in a lot of sports, people will, you'll hear the phrase, you know, like, hey, how come you finally won? How come you finally set this record? And oftentimes you'll hear an athlete respond something similar to, well, I finally believed in myself, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of where belief comes from is, let's say you want to have the belief that I can win, right? Mm -hmm. If I have the belief written down on my wall as big as can be that says I can win. That is powerful, but it's only powerful when I create supportive evidence. No different than you being a lawyer, right? Mm. You have a case where you need to prove your case. What do you bring in? Supportive evidence. Mm. Supporting evidence that shows proof that, yes, this is true. This is fact. And Mm. so with athletes, they need to almost become their own lawyer, their own sports lawyer, and say, hey, if I want to believe I can win, what supporting evidence can I create in order to prove that belief to be true which is what being prepared is right Mm, nice and i like that you used the word supporting
0: evidence and i wanted to ask you if you agree with me in this regard one of the things that i always say and one of the things that i talk about in terms of conquering the imposter syndrome is responding with the work that you have put in you know so if you're on the track you're about to race and then the thought comes into your mind that you know can i really do this am i really prepared for this if you've put in the work you know in the past then you can easily respond and say look i'm the guy that wakes up at 4 a.m in the morning to do this i'm the guy that has raced in the last one month 20 hours of motocross or i'm the guy who is always in the gym i'm the guy you know basically putting the work that you've done to get to the point where you are in face of that imposter syndrome do you agree Oh, for
1: sure. I mean, that is the number one thing you have. And guess what? You have control over that, right? You have control over how well prepared you are before an event. And you know, a lot of athletes will sit here listening to this conversation in their mind and say, Well, if I'm competing against another athlete, I don't know, you know, what they've done. So how how do I know I could be more prepared? Mm. Well don't worry about what they've done because what they've done may not be effective. They may have put effort into the wrong things. They may have put too much time into their physical training, but nothing into their mental. They have may have worked on one skill, but let another skill fall short. They may have worked you know, 60 hours that week, but maybe you only worked 40, but were your hours and your time spent on the right things with the right amount of efficiency and effort and were they to the intensity of, level that that other athlete has never experienced and so Mm. you know you have to be very careful about comparisons and you can be prepared because when you are prepared and you believe you can win that you've almost won before you've even even woke up in the morning Mm -hmm. to shower to get ready Mm -hmm. for your event you literally have already won in your mind And when you already win in your mind, the odds of you winning in reality are huge because you become what you believe. If you believe you are a winner, you are more likely to become that because it's what you believe. It's a choice, but Mm. it takes effort. It takes time. Uh, talk to me
0: about, about some of the challenges or one of the biggest challenges that uh, you've seen as to the athletes uh, that are coming to you, you know, with whatever the mental challenge they have. What was one recurring theme that many have come to you or was one that has surprised you? Or what are some of the things that you've dealt with basically in helping athletes uh, with this mental aspect
1: of sports? Sure. Like a, the big the biggest one is definitely um, beliefs. And mm, a lot really. of us have um, one of the number one beliefs that almost all children uh, internalize when they're very, very young is that failure, uh, mistakes in failure are bad. That mm. is a very, very big one. Uh, second to that would be I'm not good enough or I'm not capable. Those would be like your top three beliefs. Now your beliefs are in your subconscious, right? So when you're walking throughout the day, you don't realize it, but 95% of your day is happening without your conscious awareness, meaning you don't know, you're kind of doing things, your habits, your routines, they're all on autopilot based on a program, almost like a computer program running in your mind that controls 95% of how you think, feel, and act. Only 5% of, of what you do throughout the day is conscious thought. You know, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to go to work now. Okay, you're going to go to work now as a conscious thought, but how many times have we gotten in the car to drive to work And you're like, oh, wow, like I just had a phone conversation and I don't even know how I got here. Well, Uh that was the subconscious guiding you there, autopilot, right? And so one of the biggest things is dismantling beliefs that are negative and self-limiting and rebuilding new beliefs and proving to yourself that mistaken failure is not bad. Uh Mistaken failure is part of the process. It just is if you fail it just is failure to me is not good or bad it just is it's an experience really think about it if you fail failure is just an experience that's all it is it's an event that took place and it is your choice and your responsibility as to what meaning you put on that event for example if all of a sudden I asked you to call me tonight and you, Uh, you never, uh, you never called. That is an event. That is something that took place. I can label it as good or bad. I can say, well, he must not care about me. uh, He must, must not value my relationship. He must, you know, whatever I want, I can label and add whatever meaning I want to it. But what if something happened with your family and you went to the hospital? Why do people have that tendency to put a label on an event as either good or bad. And most of the time it's bad when they do that. Why do they do that when they know that the outcome is not going to be good? And Uh, I, that's a question that, that I, you know, it's a hard one to answer, but I know how to fix it. uh, 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 Be very careful of what you label, uh, you know, think about it. What if I, if you label anything as good or bad, you know, uh, that's where judgment comes from, right? uh uh That's why a lot of people have trouble with different races, different religions. They're placing judgment. They're placing meaning. They're placing good or bad on something that just is. Mm, so you have to mm. be very careful with that.
0: And I think, and I think that adds up because it, it, paints, it paints the picture uh, in terms of what the athlete themselves are, are looking at and um, in terms of the current predicament that they, that they find themselves in. But one of the things that I get with a lot of athletes who, uh, who come to me is in terms of the tangibleness you know, of the mental aspect of sports. And this is where I want you to come in, in terms of addressing that. Now, when you get to the physical aspects, obviously, you, you can train, you know, so you can prepare, you can hit the gym, you can carry the weight, you can do all of that. But when it comes to the mental aspect, it's not something that you can feel and it's not something that you can touch. Uh, why, why is there that difficulty in athletes, especially the younger athletes, uh, in acknowledging and realizing that this mental aspect of sports is just as important, if not more important than the physical aspects of sports.
1: Sure, Tola. and I love that question because it's so important and it's really not it's not covered and discussed as much should as it should be because mm. you're absolutely right. I mean the interviews that I've done with team managers and athletes that are professional athletes, and I say, well, what percentage of this game do you think that you're a participant in is mm. mental? On average, you will get anywhere from 60 to 90%, right? Mm. And then you say, okay, so if it's 60 to 90%, what percentage of the time do you work on your mental game, right? And usually the answer is zero or I don't <laughs> know or not that much. It's a miserable <laughs> answer. And then, you know, y- you start to wonder and you're like, wow, we've got, maybe we've got this backwards. Mm. You know, is the physical as important? And so you're absolutely right that people need to really ask themselves, um, you know, how do I make this something tangible? And so the way that I have created, because it is a challenge for Mm -hmm. sure is you know because obviously if you you know if you put on muscle and you get on the scale or you look in the mirror and you see the change or you look at on the scale and you see tangible you can quantify it but with the mind game it's different it's based on feel it's yeah. based on vibe it's based on energy and these are all things that are very challenging i should want to say difficult but they're challenging <laughs> to quantify because it's like well how do you put a number on it mm-hmm. and the way that mm-hmm. i usually do it is i have my athletes every morning set a and intention, And that intention mm. they have is a small win for the day. And oftentimes I love when they do this, it doesn't necessarily have to be you accomplishing a task. It could even just be a feeling that you want to have, but whatever it is, the key is this. Not only do you just come up with the intention or that small win you're looking for, but you have to imagine the emotion and feeling you will have mm. when you complete it. Okay. Mm -hmm. The key is to feel that emotion and that feeling now while you're laying in that bed, before you check your phone, before your feet hit the ground, you are feeling that emotion now. Now, here's why that's important is emotions are energy in motion. Mm -hmm. They are the fuel that will take your intention, take your idea, take your small win and create momentum with it. It's almost like if you imagine there's a big boulder sitting there and you could push the boulder with some effort, but there needs to be that initial push to get it rolling down the hill. That is the push is the emotional part of it. That's what ignites and gets that first push going so that later in the day, when you do experience that emotion, you've already lived that emotion. So you've already felt that it happened. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. And would you, would you recommend this same strategy for athletes that are not in season? Because I'm just imagining someone listening to us talk right now and, you know, setting an intention for the day. Yes, that can be great, you know, when I'm preparing for a tournament, you know, so I focus on my thoughts today or, you know, I want to do well in the gym or I want to do well on the track. Uh, what happens to athletes who are not in season or maybe they're having, uh, you know, an off time or there's nothing necessarily they're preparing for, but they still want to stay engaged? would that
1: strategy still apply? A hundred percent. I love it. Um, so let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm an athlete right now, off season, um, right in the middle of the off season, uh, training, I'm good. I'm actually on a break. I'm taking a week off. Mm-hmm. Maybe I had a mild injury. You can still find things because each and every day you want to win the day, right? Because mm-hmm. if you don't focus on winning the day, the day just happens. Now that doesn't mean that a day can't be beautiful on its own and that you don't have to create it, but um, you leave things to chance. And when you take action and you create a focus or place an attention on having a small win for that day, that becomes a habit. Mm. And then every day, if you have a small win, whether you're competing or not competing, that win is your fuel, it ignites you. And so for example, let's say I'm, uh, I'm an athlete, I'm off-season, mid-season. I might say, I want to feel, my intention is to feel accomplished today. That's what mm. I want. If I mm. go into bed tonight and I feel that I accomplished, I feel accomplished throughout the day, that will be a win for me today, okay? Then let's identify what that would be. Well, you know what? I've been wanting to uh, fix the garden and make the garden twice as big. And this is, I'm telling you this because this is exactly what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So I have a garden and I want it to be twice as big, okay? So I anticipate the emotion of what I'm gonna feel. I visualize, I imagine, the garden, I know exactly where the other posts are going to go. I know where the fence is going to come around. I know where the new opening is going to be. So my imagination is there. Mm. Now I feel the emotion. Now I haven't even done it. I haven't even gotten out of my bed. I feel the emotion of, Hey, I just finished. I'm, I'm a little bit sweaty. It's about 630. The sun's starting to come down. Boy, I'm so glad I got this done. Like I feel great. Mm. I feel it now. Now I go and I pursue my day. The odds and chances of me getting that done have increased dramatically. And so, to answer your question, absolutely, you can have uh, intentions off season. They can be anything from loving your spouse more, helping your kid feel accomplished, feel like they won the day. There's so many things. Helping a stranger, hmm. you know, giving advice, making someone smile. It can be that simple.
0: Mm. And still remaining on the topic of off-season, you know, obviously, as at the time of this recording, you know, uh, the coronavirus is uh, wrecking havoc all across the country. I'm on lockdown, you're on lockdown, you know, and we're still having a great conversation. But one of the things that is being peddled out there is, you know, using this time, uh, that's from the athlete's perspective. Is using this time to visualize more, to using this time uh, to see different pictures of yourself and all of those things. One of the things you talk about is imagine motion. So not imagination, but imagine motion. Talk to me about that and how you came about that concept, what it means, and how athletes can begin to use it. But before you answer that, do you agree that this is a perfect time for athletes to visualize or you think they should be doing something else?
1: there is never a bad time to visualize and imagine Mm. um it is likely the most powerful tool you can use and the wildest thing is you hear so many anecdotal stories of people just all of a sudden having an emotional moment where they're experiencing something that they have wanted for 10 20 30 40 years of their life Mm. and all of a sudden they're looking around and they're like oh my I am experiencing what I have envisioned and dreamed my entire life right now. I cannot, the, the, the emotions become overwhelming because mm. you've never felt it before. It's just a, a level that will be ingrained in your brain forever until the day you die. And so, yes, now is the time to take advantage of imagination and to kind of tell you a little bit more about what that l- would look like. I do want to say one thing, which is I feel most of us, myself included, and I caught myself, this is something I'm actively working on right now with myself is dreaming big enough. Could it be bigger? And then some people say, well, you know, I I don't want to do anything unrealistic. You know, I don't know. I mean, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to do this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Never use the word always or never. Those are absolutes and there mm. are no absolutes. and be any in your limits of your, your potential. And so absolutely, you want to imagine something bigger. Dream bigger than you're dreaming now. Have your current dream be part of the process to achieving something much, much greater. For example, if you say to yourself, I want to make $100,000 a year, and that's your goal, that's your dream, right? Uh-huh. You don't realize it, but you have limited yourself because the top end of your outcome is limited to $100,000, right? Mm. You say, oh, well, I could always make more. Oh, I get it. I know you could, but you don't realize you are e- effectively setting a limit. So for you to accomplish that, you would have to put 100% effort to, ge- to get to that goal. Oh. Now, what if your goal was a million dollars and you came up a little bit short, you put in 90% effort and you made (laughs) $900,000. You see what I mean? Like at least if you aim high, it's okay if you come up a little short sometimes. And so the way you want to do it is the action step that you want to have is one, dream bigger. I want you to activate as many senses as you can. I want you to smell that event that you want to take place. I want you to hear the sounds that are going on. I want you, if you're a baseball player, I want you to feel the bat. When you swing and you hit that home run that is the, the game-winning run for the world ch- championship, I want you to feel that bat. What does it feel like in your hand right here, right now? What does it feel like? And activate all those senses, as many as you can, all five of them if you can. Taste is sometimes hard, mm. as many as you can, right? But then the key piece is no one talks about the added piece of that emotion. Feel mm. right now the emotion that you anticipate you will feel when you complete that goal. That is where the energy is. Once again, that's what you want, both short-term for your daily small win goals and also long-term for your big, your big dreams. Uh, I just wanna take you back quickly, Jay, and in terms of the athletes,
0: because I'm just imagining you know, someone listening to this conversation right now, and what's going through their mind is, what happens, Jay, if I set this big goal that you're talking about, you know, and I don't even get anywhere close to achieving that? Doesn't that damage my confidence going forward? How would I be able to then set another goal to then start chasing knowing fully well that maybe I just missed out on this goal that I set by a long while? What do you say to athletes who have that sort of thinking process?
1: Well, oftentimes when you set an expectation or a goal that's high and you miss it, Oftentimes people say that they didn't meet their expectations. Mm. And that is a big killer of confidence if you make it black and white, right? All or nothing, succeed or fail. Mm. So um, remember that goal, the f- perfect example, going back to what I said, if your goal is to make a million dollars and you make 900,000, uh, if it's black and white and it's all or nothing, then did you succeed or you failed? You failed, right? You didn't hit mm. a million. You, you got mm. 900,000. What if you made 986,000? Still a failure here, right? And so the key is to realize that your goals have to be reasonable, and your, but your dreams don't have to be as reasonable. They're just dreams. You can mm, aim high on that, mm, but if you mm. don't, if you come up short, how are you identifying where you did come? If you say, dude, I put so much effort, I did everything. There's not one thing I would have changed. Even though I only made nine hundred grand, mm. I did great. Hundred percent effort. There are things I learned along the way that if I did it again, I would have done it differently. But you know what? I am very happy. You know, so we have to be very careful about our views on failure, our views on on uh, you know the, the disappointment and how we deal with it from setting expectations that are uh, not always met. And so, you know, a lot of times we feel shame, embarrassment or guilt if we don't hit our expectation. But um, failure is an opportunity for growth. You know, with me, Mm. I look at failure as an opportunity. It's not who I am. It's an opportunity to grow and to learn. So if I only made 900,000, what could I have done differently? What can I do tomorrow to increase the chances of me making 2 million next year, right?
0: Mm, I I get the point Um, and it's, it kind of adds up in the sense that, you know, the literal interpretation of the goals that you've set uh, is one of the things that you have to pay attention to. But coming back to uh, that issue, and uh, I know that uh, I'm going to have to let you go soon, but you, know, you just keep saying things that prompt me to ask other questions, uh, which I want you to answer because I'm the athlete now and you are, the one, <laughs> you are the one kind of advising me. In terms of goal setting for athletes, one of the things that I always say is that each athlete has their own respective goals to set. But we always find situations, most especially in this day and age of social media where everything is out there, you know, everyone is on Instagram and all of those things, where you find athletes setting the goals of other athletes for themselves. You know, So everyone wants to be LeBron James, everyone wants to be Tiger Woods, everyone wants to be you know, all of these great athletes. But one thing that I always try to say, and I want you to tell me if you know, this makes sense or, or what your own interpretation of it is, Is that what is the goal you want to achieve? Success for each athlete is completely different. And the success that two athletes want to have are not necessarily supposed to be aligned. What do you think about that?
1: Sure. I mean, you know, the the one thing that stands out when I listen to you ask that question is if someone says, I want to be like LeBron James what I would say to them is, well, what qualities, characteristics of LeBron James do you admire most? Mm. And someone might say, well, he he just never gives up. Okay. Mm. that That is what you want to admire. And that's what you want to aspire. You want to never give up. You want that to be a value that you hold highly, you know? And if he, if you say, well, his, you know, he just, I read this one interview where he said this and he said that whatever he said that inspired you, let his words, you know, you want to be your own self. You want to be uh, authentic. You uh, want to be you. Uh. You never want to really be someone else. What you want to do is embody the, the skills or the mindset that they have, like the Mamba mindset, right? Mm, you know, you mm. want to embody the mindset that got them there and do it on your own terms, in your own way, maybe even in your own sport. You know, you could look at LeBron James as an inspiration for you, but yet you play baseball. What's wrong with that? And mm. it's because you're embodying what he represents as a player the the the, the mentality the mindset that's what you would want to embody but you never truly want to say i want to be that person be yourself be your authentic true self oh and that's that's
0: a different perspective that even i didn't even think of i was only looking at it from the goal setting and the suspects and the success angle you know but you you brought something different which is in terms of okay why don't you pick out the things that you admire in those and i think that makes absolute sense you know so rather than chasing the overall objective that that person has achieved why don't you look at the steps so to speak so whether those steps include their physical attributes the mental attributes you know that they have so just like the member mentality and then find those ones to then emulate i think that's i think that's actually brilliant in terms of idolizing these athletes and taking the positives you can from the steps that they've taken basically to get to the level that they have, and I think that makes absolute sense. Now, the reason I named the podcast "Athlete Master" Jay is, you know, because I wanted to encourage athletes to master their craft. You know, so their craft is being an athlete and what they do. What, in your estimation, do you think it takes
1: to be a master of your craft? It takes well. Obviously, the first word that comes to mind is discipline mm. and desire or passion and heart. You know, having heart. You can't, see, I can't take that away from you. When you have heart, that is something that is at your core. It's everything, it fuels everything. If you really want something bad enough, everyone says it's so cliche, but it's true. If you want to be the master of your sport and the master of your mind and you have the heart, it is possible. Mm. You know, you just gotta be disciplined and have that passion and desire and and you're there. You know, I mean, those, you know, it's not that it doesn't take work, but you got to have certain ingredients, you know, it's almost like baking a cake. Baking a cake isn't that difficult, but there's certain ingredients you need to have or else it's going to be difficult to create it, right? You got no eggs, it's going to be awfully dry, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I don't know if that answers your question in the way you, uh, that you were looking for.
0: Oh, yeah, it does, you know, in terms of of discipline and, of course, having that heart. Because, you know, one of the things that, you know, I also say as relates to the discipline aspect of it is that, look, everyone talks about discipline. Oh, you have to be disciplined to do this. You have to be disciplined to achieve your goals. But if your heart is not there, if your mind is not there, trust me, that discipline is a waste because where there's no reason behind discipline, I mean, you're not going to do that thing because you don't understand why the discipline is key. So what you said is actually perfect in the sense that the reason for the discipline is that you want to master your craft. So every time there's an objection in your mind, you know, just like we've talked about, in terms of the thoughts that come into your mind, you can easily answer and say, hey, look, man, I'm trying to be the master of my craft. And one of the things that's going to take me to be a master of my craft is the discipline element to it. So totally, totally, you know, I agree. Now we've, whew, we've covered a lot. we so have talked about so many things, you've talked about the mental aspect, we've talked about visualization, philosophy, so many things. I'm the athlete now who comes to you and says, Jay, I've listened to your conversation with Tola. You, you guys spoke for over an hour. You covered so many topics. What is one thing that I can do? What is one step that I can take today
1: that is going to get me a step closer to my goals? I would say the one thing that you could start with right now is to dedicate under, under all circumstances, at least 20 minutes, no matter what, 20 minutes a day to either put time and effort into mastering your craft, mastering your mind, trying something different, something new, realizing that being uncomfortable and uncertain is where growth is. On the other side of uncertainty and on the other side of being uncomfortable is growth. And so, you know, become the learner. Mm -hmm. You know, like I go, I always go back to, it's so funny. I always go back to my philosophy, be curious. Be curious about yourself and how your mind works and how you think, and be curious about things that I mentioned, your craft, uh, the mental game. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what does that look like? So what that looks like, just to give you a little bit more of like a concrete visual on this is, I would just say every morning or every evening, pick 20 minutes, literally in your phone, Write down that you have an appointment with yourself, with your computer, with the library, whatever it is, 20 minutes a day, and just start asking questions. If mm. you don't know a lot about what self-awareness is, then figure it out. Look up, type in what is self-awareness in Google. See what happens. Watch a TED Talk. Mm. Um, another great way to learn is listen to an athlete. Doesn't matter who they are, what sport. Listen mm. to the interview an athlete has after an event. Mm -hmm. I am addicted to interviews uh, of athletes after events. They will give you so much knowledge uh, and share so much truth and so Mm -hmm. much honesty. Mm -hmm. And they'll tell you, you know, well, this happened and this is how I responded. You know, when, when so-and-so did this, this is what I knew I had to do. Mm -hmm. You will learn so much, be the learner, spend 20 minutes a day being curious and becoming the learner.
0: Oh, fantastic! Thank you so much for your time, Jay. It's uh, this day and age, you know, you don't find many people in the world, you know, that are trying to give back. You you find people trying to hoard knowledge and trying to keep it to themselves. So I deeply appreciate you for coming on, uh, for sharing your thoughts, sharing your expertise in terms of the mental aspects of sports, because I found that uh, not only do we not have enough teachers of these things to the younger athletes that are coming up, you know, we don't find people who see it as important, you know, so uh, it's, it's great for me when I see people who are in this space, who are doing these things, who are passionate about it. And it's all for the objective of caring for the athletes that they advise, advising. So I really thank you uh, for coming on today and, of course, um, sparing the time, even though time is all that we have uh, amidst this uh, corona issue that the world is struggling with.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. And, you know, if anyone has any questions, uh, I'm, like you said, I'm here to help. And my goal is, you know, is to to give back. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I want to give back. I want to help. I want to be kind. And I want my legacy to be, you know, making a difference in someone's life. And so mm. if anyone has any questions, you can find me at Rack, which is R-A-K. There's no C. It stands for Random Acts of Kindness Racing. Mm. So it's oh, R-A-K. nice. I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> mm. We, uh, we originally started doing random acts of kindness with uh, a portion of the fees that the riders give us for mm. mental coaching. So I do one-on-one mental coaching and we do still take a portion of that money and we, uh, put it into our nonprofit to do random acts of kindness. So that's oh, what nice. rack racing means. Mm. So, uh, if you want to find me on Instagram, it's RAK racing. So it's at R A K Racing. And if you want to look us up on a uh, line, it's R-A-K hyphen, which is a little dash in the middle, mm. racing.com. And uh, if you have any questions, uh, hit me up and would love to help. And uh, I really, uh, I, you have some great questions. You know, it's funny, <laughs> I, you know, this podcasting thing is designed for you, Tola, because I think your legal background, like mm. your questions, I'm not just saying this to to make you feel good. I'm just bringing <laughs> facts to light. I'm shining a light on the facts and the facts in this case state that I think your, your legal background has allowed you to really be smart with your questions.
0: Mm. <laughs> so, I think one thing I also do is I put myself in the position of the athlete who's listening and kind of think, what kind of questions would I ask Jay if you know, I was still playing uh, and doing all of those good things? But you know, I thank you for those kind
1: words as well. Yeah, no problem. And you know, it, it just one last thing that inspires me, it goes back to being the learner and being curious. Mm. Ask yourself tough questions, mm-hmm. ask mm-hmm. yourself deep questions and look for those answers because that's where the growth is. You got to, you know, it, a lot of us can't get out of our comfort zone. We can, but we don't. And in order to get out of your, your comfort zone and get on the other side of the comfort zone, which is where our uncomfortable, which is where growth is, mm. ask yourself the tough questions, find the answers. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate Mm. it. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Can you you share with us your
0: email again? You know, so, uh, case anyone wants to email you, because I mean, I'm going to be sending them your way in terms of, you know, asking for further advice on on certain things. Can you send us your email?
1: Sure. It's Jay. So it's J A Y at R a K hyphen racing.com. And uh, we are opening things up outside of motorsports. Mm. So any athletes that are looking just to ask a question or, or want to run something by me, um, we're going to be opening rack racing is going to become rack coaching. Mm. So we actually purchased that domain and we're building the site out now, but uh, we're going to be doing uh, mental coaching for all athletes. And I know that you do that as well. Right. Mm. So uh, you know, your, your background and your, your ability to speak and, and pull out, uh, the abilities uh, and shine a light on the opportunities for athletes I think is one that more athletes should take advantage of so hit up tola too he's a good man and I think you should guys if, you, if, if I if you don't want to talk to me talk to Tola but get answers why right ask the right questions
0: oh, fantastic the random acts of kindness I never
1: knew that that's, that's that's amazing yeah and even even my eye care business is called rack eye care and then my nonprofit is called one rack. So it's wow. one So it's the number one, and then it's rak.org, and it means one random act of kindness can change your life. That's wow. the nonprofit.
0: Wow, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Jay. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Tola. Have a great day.
0: Ho, ho. I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys see how laid back it was, how interesting it was, and more importantly, how genuine Jay came around. And I want you guys to reach out to him the best way that you can. Jay at rack-racing.com. Jay at rack-racing.com. And of course, he also shares in the podcast itself the other ways that you can get across to him. But you see, just for that rack itself, in terms of random acts of kindness. now I want you guys to send Jay an email. You know, tell him how much you appreciate this episode. And of course, if you have any questions that you have for him. Just send him an email, Jay at rack racing.com J at rack-racing.com you know i'm, I'm starting to think you know that i should get more people on the podcast you know people if everybody can come across the way jay did then um, trust me it's something that i'm genuinely going to want to do more but i thoroughly enjoyed the conversation all the things that we talked about the questions that he threw at me as well and of course uh just let me know how much you guys enjoyed this episode you can send me a mail taller at com, and i want you to copy jay in that email as well jay at rack-racing.com don't forget to get your hands on that free ebook just like i mentioned com forward slash mistakes if you haven't subscribed to the podcast you haven't left us a rating and review and I highly encourage that you do so. You don't want to miss conversations like this. Remember what I said at the beginning, uh, in terms of it's like you sneaking up on a conversation between two friends, but they're dropping nuggets and things that you can benefit from. So you either get out your phone or you get out a notepad and you start taking notes in terms of all the things that they discussed on that conversation. So head over to athletemaster.com forward slash subscribe. You're going to learn how to subscribe to the podcast. You are also going to learn how to leave that rating and review. What that rating and review does is that when people find episodes like this between myself and Jay, they know that, hey, it's going to be a what-what conversation because of the things that you have said in your rating and review. So, at forward slash subscribe. And of course, if you have any questions for me, you have any questions for Jay, send me an email. Tola at athletemaestro.com. Tola at athletemaestro.com. And of course, copy Jay, in that email as well j at rack racing.com j at rack racing.com random acts of kindness that thing just that thing absolutely blew me away random acts of kindness so i would encourage you as you go about your career in sports to show random acts of kindness i'll catch you guys on the next episode of the show remember knowing it's not enough you must apply willing is not enough you must do i want you to go out there learn all the lessons you can from this stunning conversation between myself and jay i want you to go out there and i want you to be a maestro today and every single day